to greet every one of you. It's good to be here on such a beautiful Sunday morning. Let's sing an old uh, song. It's called Within the Veil. Let's see. Within the veil I now have come Into the holy place I look upon thy holy face I see such to enter within the veil this morning. For thousands of years, that veil remained in front of the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could enter in and only once a year and only covered in incense. And now covered in the blood of Jesus, we can enter in at any moment. And he's waiting to meet us there. Do you believe that? It's such a wonderful day to be living in. Let's uh, turn around, wave at each other, greet each other. And... Um, <clears throat> Let's sing an old tune, When the Redeemed, that's you, are gathering in. I am thinking of a rapture in our blessed home. When the redeemed are gathering in, how we'll raise the heavenly anthem in that city in the sky. When the redeemed are gathering Together. 
For a moment, and um, let's put it up in D, and just kind of worship God there where you are for a few minutes. Uh, let's do it. Let's start in C. And um, this is another old tune that I love so much. It's called "When I Survey the Wonders Cross." When I survey the
for singing that with me. I love that song. It's love so amazing, so divine. Demands my life, my soul, my all. So I know that each one, every one of you are, have given your lives to Christ. And if you haven't, I hope that you do today. And um, the sacrifice that he gave to us, the love that he shows to us, the creator of the entire universe and this earth that we live on, the creator of ourselves, made a way to redeem us back to him. It's just a wonderful story. Brother Aaron, I'd like to bring you up in, a, in just a moment. We're going to go through our announcements here. Sister, um, to pray over these, <clears throat> Sister Amber and Sister Christy are both out this morning. Just remember them in prayer. Uh, the Whitlocks, uh, David has a gallbladder surgery on the 16th. Please uh, be keeping him in your prayers. The Jacksons and the Irishes, they're our out this morning. And the Buchanans, uh, Sister Sarah is not uh, feeling well. Keep hearing your prayers. Uh, she and Keith are both out this morning. Uh, Jonathan Mayle is, uh, is working this morning. I believe his family is here. And Brother Joe Pascal is, is also working. And uh, Sister Mary Smith, it's an ongoing issue with her neck. I pray that we'll just keep remembering her in our prayers. So, Brother Aaron, if you would come and uh, just take us to the Lord in prayer as we uh, reach out and just try to bear one another's burdens uh, in, a, in a spiritual sense. Put yourself in their place and, uh, and um, just stand in for our brothers and sisters in prayer this morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord Jesus Christ, thanking you, Father, for bringing us again into your house. Father, we are so thankful for what you did for us on the cross of Calvary. And we know, Lord God, that your blood will never lose its power. As the days and the time goes by, it becomes stronger and stronger. You are the light of the world, and you are the light in this dark hour that we're living in. For, Father, we know that the Bible says in the time of trouble, you will hide us in your pavilion. There are many requests and needs that have been brought before, Lord God, your presence this morning. And Father, we know that you are there to heal, you are there to touch, you are still the same in power, in principle, everything except your corporal body. And we are here as the bride of Jesus Christ, we represent your body, Father, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in, the, in your name that may the sick be healed this morning. May every name that is on this request be healed. Father, we remember the days of the prophet where he'd go into a hospital and all the people will be healed all those that will be laying on their beds you are still the same today father lord we have got good hospitals we have got good doctors but you are the great physician we believe oh god we rise our faith together and lord jesus christ we we rebuke we curse father the sickness lord that has plugged our land may you heal your people and may you undertake father for every believer we pray that lord jesus christ may you comfort the families that are broken some that have lost their loved ones Lord God, for we know that we have got a living hope that one day we shall see them across the river. We thank you this morning. May you speak to our hearts, anoint the preacher, and may you anoint the, the hearers of the word. May you, Father, visit us, O God. For Lord Jesus Christ, we depend upon your, your presence. May the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow from the pulpit to the back of the church. Those that are listening, O God, in their different, Lord Jesus Christ, places where they are, I pray may you touch them, O God. Because, Father, you are not limited by distance. 
You're not limited, Father, by physical barriers. Your word is always present to heal. For the Bible says you sent forth your word and it healed them. We thank you this morning. We commit all these needs into your hands. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and sing that chorus, uh, that song, What a Day That Will Be. The key of F. There is coming a day when no sisters, Lord God, we know that if we have a, a body part that's in pain or hurting, we'll, we'll cry out to you and seek for help, Lord Jesus, and by the same token, spiritually, when someone in our body, the body of Christ, is hurting, we want to cry out with that same intensity and fervor as if it were our own selves, and Lord Jesus, we just uh, thank you for this opportunity to be here. 
We thank you for the opportunity to give as to the Lord. I pray you'll bless this offering, bless the people that can give, bless those that can't give. In Christ's name, amen. I'd like to ask Brother Mitchell to come forward. He's got a song for us this morning. While he's coming forward, let's sing that old chorus, uh, Whatever It Takes, the key of C. Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's why I'll be willing to And whatever it takes. Just what the mercy of God can do. Oh, that's just what the mercy of God can do. Now I'm alive to tell the story. so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. It's His goodness and mercy and the power
things I've done, things I've said, choices I've made that I regret. Oh, I would still be lost. Oh, but for the mercy of God. Now I am alive to tell the story. I'm overcome. It's His kindness and mercy and the power of His blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. It's His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome. It's His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. And I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. It's His goodness and mercy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's Brother Calvin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be
this morning as we begin and uh, go to him in prayer this morning and I want to ask you just before we pray that uh, you would hold brother Jim Babb on your heart he's still in ICU he's in very critical condition and uh, we've been asked around the world to remember brother Jim and uh, just trusting that God will undertake for him we prayed on Wednesday night for brother Tim Airwood this morning I talked to him in his home he's home and uh, he's recovering and doing very well and wanted to say that he was very appreciative of everybody praying for him and everybody around the world, and uh, he appreciated that so very much, he and his wife. So let's sing this this morning. Have your way. Just prepare your heart now as we approach his throne. Have your way. Lord, have your Thank you, Jesus. Oh, have your 
Father, as we approach your throne of mercy and grace today, Lord, we sent your presence among us in a very real way. And Lord, now we just bow our hearts and consecration to you, trusting, Lord, that you'll move on the scene today and that you will speak to every heart. Lord, we want to move ourselves out of the way. We want to give you preeminence today among us. And Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would just come in the volume of the book, Lord, and make real the things that you would have for us. Lord, we're moving into a dimension, Lord, and those things are becoming more positive all the time. And Lord, I just know that as that happens, Lord, the things of this world, they become strangely dim. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that you would accelerate that process in every heart today. Lord, we hold up those that are sick today. We think of Brother Jim Babb, Sister Naomi Daly, Lord, and the many others that are reaching out to you in desperation and prayer and their families, Lord. Just asking, oh God, that you would just move on this scene on their behalf. We have seen you raise up those who are sick, Lord. We've seen you touch those who are at the point of death. But Lord, now today, just once more, we ask that you would move on behalf of these special needs, Lord. We thank you for your mercies and your grace to us. And now we ask that you would just take control of the balance of this service. In the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. God bless you, saints. It's certainly an honor and a privilege to have you all here today. We're missing a number of folks uh, for different reasons, and uh, we always miss them when they're not here. We always miss anyone who's not here, but we are glad to have all of you here today uh, as well. Good to have all the Joneses here today. God bless you. Uh, good to see you uh, here today. Good to have the Jacksons back and the Ivies back, sister. Um, Walters, God bless you. Good to have you back. Uh, and each and every one, may the Lord richly bless you all. Uh, Noah has a surgery tomorrow. Isn't that right? Uh, Noah, we'll be sure praying for you on his shoulder and uh, trusting that the Lord will undertake for you as he did for me and uh, had the same surgery and just trust that the Lord will uh, richly bless you. I spoke to, as I said, I spoke to Brother Tim Arrowwood uh, this morning. He and his wife. Uh, but as, uh, as we have service today, they're gathering in Wayne, West Virginia, for the funeral of his father. Uh, Mr. Airwood passed away this week, and Scott and uh, Tim and their other brother Dana and sister Sandy are all there for the funeral uh, today up in West Virginia. So we um, want to remember that family as well. Um, we didn't mention this morning also Brother uh, Josh and Sister Kristen are uh, away, they're visiting family uh, down in uh, on the coast. Now, just to, uh, I, I wanted to do a couple of quick things here, and uh, just to share a testimony with you. Then I want to jump right in this morning and and uh, uh, do begin a little lesson here with you this morning. And uh, 
wanted to say that we are planning, Lord willing, still to have our meeting on Labor Day uh, at this point, and we're just watching things very closely. And uh, if we, you know, certainly we don't want to put anyone at risk in having a meeting because uh, there are people who are wanting to come in for Labor Day to be here. Uh, and we'll certainly let you know just as soon as we do know uh, whether it would be safe or not to have the meeting on Labor Day. Um, also as well, and this is uh, something that has just been heavy on my heart over the last uh, little while, the people of Ukraine, the believers in Ukraine and Russia, have been inviting me for a number of years to come back uh, over to visit there. And uh, I spent uh, a number of years traveling in, uh, in and out of the Russian-speaking countries for years with Brother Lonnie Jenkins and others. And uh, they, they, after all of the troubles and all the war and everything else in that area, they want, they want to come back together and have a meeting in Ukraine. And uh, they invited me to come and uh, be the speaker there for that meeting. And so I just told them, I said, Lord willing, I will. It'll be in September. I will come uh, just for a couple of days to be with you there. But uh, they're watching the situation over there as well. If it's not safe to travel, uh, then we'll just postpone it until a little bit later on. But if you don't mind, I'd appreciate you praying for that uh, as well. And then at the end of September, September 24th, we're, supposed, we're scheduled to have the men's meeting. And uh, that also is something that we're looking at very carefully, and um, we just uh, want to make the right decision about that because we don't want to create a scenario where uh, people would be at risk at all. So uh, we, if you don't mind just remembering those things in prayer. Right now, everything is still a go. We'll let you know if we make any changes in that at all, okay? Uh, birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, we've got a few this week. August 5th was uh, Josh Godwin's. Uh, birthday, August 6th was Sister, uh, 6th, Sister Liddy's uh, birthday. The 7th was Sister Casia and Tracy Rabin's uh, birthday. And uh, may God bless you both here. Today is Ethan and Anna's anniversary, right? How many years? Six years. Wonderful. God bless you both. August 9th is Andy Irish's birthday. Not here today, but I'm sure he's listening because he knew his birthday would be announced. Um, August 10th is uh, John and Jennifer's uh, anniversary. God bless you. Uh, John is uh, here somewhere. We know that. And uh, we wish them all the best on their anniversary. And then the Shepherd's anniversary is August 12th. August 13th is Anthony Clavel's birthday. How old? Six years old. God bless you, my friend. Good to have you with us. And then Sister Sarah Basaki's birthday, August 14th. God bless you, Sister Sarah. We won't ask you your age, but we are glad to have you here and trust that the Lord will bless you on that day. Let me share a little testimony with you, all right, before we begin this morning. Uh, I get testimonies from many, many places where things are happening, and I uh, wanted to share this uh, one with you here. I, I meant to mention as well, Brother Caleb uh, Homover is not here. He's out in Texas. His natural sister is visiting family out in Texas, so he's out there with them. Uh, he drove out after Wednesday night service. He began the journey to go out uh, to Texas and drove out. On the way, he stopped at the memorial for Sister Karen Pruitt. And uh, they had a viewing on Friday night, and then they were going to have a graveside on yesterday, Saturday, and then this morning. They're doing a uh, memorial service in the church there. And Brother Caleb was unaware of all the events that were going on, but he wanted to stop in to Brother Pruitt's church, and he did. And when he was uh, there, there was many, many people who had come to pay their respects 
for Sister Karen, and he wrote uh, on the he, he wrote on the guest book and uh, took a picture of it and sent it to me. He said it said uh, Caleb Homover, representative of Hickory Bible Tabernacle. So we were represented there, and we miss uh, Brother Caleb tonight. Brother Caleb also, as well, is going through a, a job change and asked us to remember that in prayer as well. All right, let's go over to uh, central Tanzania here. This is the family of Sister Marietta, and uh, she was a person over on the very uh, left-hand side of the picture here. Uh, she was a person who was interested in the message. Brother Elias sent me these few pictures. I didn't show them all to you here, uh, but uh, he said that she had heard about the message there and wanted to know more about it. Uh, she stays in uh, Shinyanga, which is near Mwanza. So just to show you where that is, it's kind of in central, uh, central Tanzania right here. This is Lake Victoria. This is the Indian Ocean. So it, we're talking interior. There's no cities there, no Walmarts there. There ain't nothing there. And uh, this, they had heard about the message, and so she invited, got a hold of Brother Elias. Brother Elias sent Brother Jackson, uh, who is about 250 miles from her. And he and two other brothers went there uh, and wanted to meet her and brought her some materials. And now they can bring things in uh, Swahili for her. So Brother Jackson went in and was talking to her. And this is the picture when they first got there. Brother Jackson is the brother in the black jacket there. And uh, he began to sit down and talk to her. And that's how they do it in that culture. They just kind of sit. Uh, you can kind of think of the woman at the well kind of a scene, you know, where they're just out there in the town square. And uh, he began to talk to her. Well, as he began to minister to her, and as he was showing things to her out of the scripture, more people came to listen. They sat around, and they wanted to hear what Brother Jackson was saying. And then there was a bunch of students in a nearby school. They wanted to have permission to come and just to sit at his feet and listen to what he was sharing uh, out of the Bible. They all got excited about that in the village. So the teaching continued. Now you can see they got pews set up, right? Uh, they <laughs> They got, they got, uh, they're starting church order. And uh, this first time they're ever hearing about the message at all. And then he taught them to sing. He, he, he introduced a bunch of believers' music uh, and songs and choruses to them and uh, began to teach them through the week. This all happened last week. And then yesterday he baptized 16 people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a church started. They got, a, you know, a, a group now and they want to meet on a regular basis and have somebody come. That's just wonderful. Uh, and we're just so excited for, uh, for the believers there. Now, uh, let me uh, move on from uh, Tanzania, and let's go to uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, in Zimbabwe, we just uh, printed, I, I, I didn't bring out the book, I left it on my desk there, thought I had one. Uh, we just printed the Church Age book in Shona. Brother Aaron has one. I gave him my first, this is the first copy. And uh, there are 5,000 of these that are on the boat on the way to Zimbabwe. They're all very excited about uh, getting these. So Brother Aaron has the very first copy there. And uh, we're delighted to be able to provide that for them. Now, as a result of that, um, Brother Aaron's been doing a little bit of research. And we have, as you know, we do the SD cards, the micro SD cards, where we can put the message in English and different languages on there in the Bible so people can put it in their phones and they have a little carrier that goes into your computer and you can do that.
graciously let us have it. This is one of those micro SD cards that Brother Aaron configured, and that's Shona. So we have Brother Branham's voice and then Shona, the Shona language uh, in there as well. There's a bunch of Shona music. There's Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's a Nibdeli language is on here as well. All of the English is on here. The Bible is on here. Uh, it's just amazing. And we bought these little players. We bought some sample players in China. These are about $15. And so we have the chip that's in here, which is about $5. It's stuck inside here. And all of that, all of that is on here. The brothers in Africa now are picking up on the fact that these are available. So we are going to purchase a bunch of these if we can and hopefully get them sent directly, drop shipped right into Malawi and right into uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, the, I've had phone calls from the ministers down there, and they said, Brother Barry, can you supply this for us? Uh, there's only one other group in the world that makes these micro SD chips, and they're $30 a piece, and we can do it for $5 a, a piece, just the cost of the chip. And then we have two wonderful sisters here who uh, do all the duplicating for those uh, micro SD cards. So we're going to probably need more than two wonderful sisters to do more of the duplicating of these uh, systems. As a matter of fact, we may put duplicators in those countries so that they can do that. But these players are going to be a great blessing uh, to be able to have that. They can plug it in, have a headphone. They can plug this in for uh, connect to their computer. They can take this chip out and plug that into their computer or their phone as well. And uh, they're able to scroll up and down here. There's all kinds of music on this thing. So, you know, to be able to carry all of that, you know, right in their pocket and to be able to have it, you know, just like that, uh, it, that's just a blessing for a total of about $21 to have that. $21 and then 86 cents for a church age book. I mean, that's, uh, that's just absolutely wonderful. So they're excited in that country. We're excited to be able to provide that for them, uh, but they're excited as well. So uh, just wanted to show you that. We're, we're interested in having some of those, hearing some of those testimonies that come from that uh, part of the world. All right. Last thing I'm going to show you this morning, I'm a person of lots of resources today, but just before we begin, uh, Brother Hunter and I were talking about some issues that, uh, questions that he had and some issues that he's dealing with, and uh, so I told him, I said, when you come to church Sunday, we're going to give you a church age book, because he had some questions, and all the questions are answered in the church age book. Now, I know the publisher of this book, and uh, I, I know who it is, and we can get these really, really cheap. And so I've got one for everybody in the church, if you don't have one. All of you young people need to have one, and you need to uh, take your time to go through this. And here's what I did today. I, I had one of our uh, lovely sisters go out there and put a bookmark in the section that we're going to be studying. There's about 20 pages in here that we're going to be studying out of the Church Age book, and so there's a marker in there. They're all stacked up in the library right there, so you're able to uh, pick those up. And uh, take one as you go out the door. You should have your own. When you, when you get your own, you open up the front cover. You put your name on the front cover right there. And uh, if you're not sure what that is, you'd let me know. And we can also provide you a name or a new name if you don't like your name. And put it right there so that you can have it and bring it home. And then you can read it. Okay? Every, all the young people said? Amen. All the old people said? Everybody should have their own. There's no reason why we shouldn't have our own uh, church age book today because we publish them. 
and uh, they're available for you. So I have the one uh, here today. This is this is this church age book is the one that somebody my brother handed me, and I read the very first thing I ever read by Brother Branham, and I was converted in uh, reading this and going back to the scripture. And uh, that's a very special book for me. But I brought this one because I marked this one up and uh, had it uh, sectioned off there for Brother Hunter so he could have that for the answers. Now, having said all of that, we're going to do a little study. I think you've got a sheet that has some of the notes on there that we're going to be covering today. It's not all exactly in order, but most of the scriptures that we're going to be covering today are all right here on, on, the, uh, on the screen, and they will be referenced in that sheet there. All of this this morning, this little study here is going to be from the Bible, okay? All of it's going to be from the Bible, and I want you to be able to use this study this morning to be able to give to somebody, anybody, if they have questions about this subject of the Godhead and the Trinity, okay? So uh, I want you to stay with me here as we look at this, and if you don't mind, let's stand to our feet as we read the Scripture. There is one special prayer request that I wanted to mention, and I left it till now. Uh, Sister Soriano in the Philippines is in the hospital uh, with the COVID virus. And her husband, Roel, is uh, a very high risk, health risk for COVID-19. It's, it's passing through the Philippines there. And if you don't mind remembering that need in prayer, we just want to pray that the Lord will undertake for Sister Soriano, but also as well that he would just put his hand on Brother Roel and that he would be uh, safe and protected from uh, this cursed virus as well. Let's read in Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to start there this morning. And uh, I want you to hold on to your Bible because we're going to reference this uh, this chapter here this morning as well, Colossians, the second chapter. And just before we read, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> as we bow our hearts together again, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just speak to our hearts today, Lord. Our hearts are full. Our plate is full. There's many, many things, Lord, that we know you would speak to your people today. And Lord, we pray also for Sister Soriano today, and she's reached out around the world, Lord, for believers to pray. And we ask, Lord, that you would just undertake for her, as well as her husband, Roel. Lord, they're both real servants of the king. And, Lord, we just pray for their complete healing and restoration. We commit them into your hands now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. All right, Colossians chapter 2, and let's begin reading at verse 4. For I would, sorry, verse 4, And I, this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of man and after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Say it with me. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, and has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Say that with me. All trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Sorry for the lengthy preamble uh, this morning, but uh, I wanted to introduce this topic to you. We talked a little bit on Wednesday night about this whole idea of deception that would uh, take place in the last day. The Bible has many references to this whole idea of deception and how things would be close, very close to the truth, very close to the, uh, the expression of God in the last day, to the point where it would, if possible, deceive the very elect. But the elect are not deceived. The elect are not ever deceived. They have a security in the fact that God gives them a revelation that is greater than the understanding that's in the world or the knowledge that's in the world. Remember now, we, uh, a, a man who has a revelation is never at the mercy of the knowledge of this world. Let me say it again. A man who has a revelation is never at the mercy of somebody who has the knowledge of this world. You can have all the knowledge of this world, but I will tell you, when you have a revelation that overrides, that supersedes all the knowledge of this world. A revelation is something different than just human knowledge uh, and, uh, and human understanding. A revelation is, is the, the ability of God to make God clear and to make God's word clear. Isn't that right? That's what God's word does. How many of you have a revelation of Malachi 4 in the Bible? Right, And it's not because you went to seminary and learned it, nor not because somebody had to uh, you know, sit down and explain it to you. Most of us have a revelation of that because God made it clear to you. It's a verse of Scripture that's clear. And no argument, no, I mean, hey, uh, don't bother trying to talk me out of that. I, if you have a revelation of it, it's something that stays with you. And that revelation is a thing that uh, God builds his church upon. So Paul warns in Colossians here in a very important passage of Scripture that we should be careful that uh, we don't, uh, you know, uh, allow somebody to beguile with enticing words. Enticing words would be, uh, would be a way of explaining something that would be inviting. It would be uh, something that would easily draw you in if you let it. And that's what, a, that's what uh, enticing words would be uh, when... When, whenever you're on a diet and you go past, have you ever gone past those restaurants that are in the parking lot of where you're driving and they have big fans on the roof and they're blowing the smell towards the parking lot? They're not blowing it up in the air to get rid of it. They're blowing it on the parking lot to get you from the parking lot into the restaurant, right? Right? And it's enticing. It's all meant to entice you into the restaurant. And, and so and something that's enticing is actually nice. But beguiling, the word beguiling means it's speech adapted to persuade. So when somebody is, uh, is using enticing words, like Paul says here, uh, he says, you need to be careful lest any man beguile you, say things that are meant to influence you, with, with really appealing words or really a, appealing understanding, something that makes, might make logical sense, something that might make, uh, you know, it might add up in a, in, a logical sen- in a logical way. Paul says we need to beware of that because he said God's revelation may be different than that. 
All right? Uh, so to a believer now, to a believer, God's words are enticing. Right? They're, they're wonderful words to hear. How many would agree? When God speaks, those are good words. Those are, those are wonderful words. But Satan will take God's words and twist them just a little bit and make them appeal to you in a certain way. And let me tell you something. He's only interested in leading you away from the truth. Right? Only interested in leading you away from the truth. And so Paul tells us that in him, in Christ, and that's who he's speaking about here, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. So everything you, let me say this uh, this morning at the outset, everything that you have need of is in Christ because all God was was poured into Christ, right? And, and that's, his, that's his point. He's, he's categorically saying that, that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. God created a temple. God created a house and poured himself into that in a complete way. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with hands. And he goes on and describes that. Now, I just want to say this at the very beginning here that we are of a small minority of people who, uh, just hold, pause for a second here, we are a small uh, small portion of the pop, Christian population, the evangelical population, that do not believe or accept the Trinity as it's defined in ecclesiastical terms. We are a small group. We're a small minority. And I don't mean that to be offensive to anybody if you're here and you're a Trinitarian. Uh, you know, God bless you. But uh, for me, I, 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 the, the word is not even in the Bible. Uh, and so I, I look at this and I realize this is a really, really big, big issue, uh, especially if somebody investigates or somebody wants to uh, you know, do research on who we are. Somebody wants to uh, read through the church age book, for instance, and, and figure out that very quickly that we are not a Trinitarian church. Now, uh, I, I really do um, want to underscore this just at the outset here and say that I think it's really important that we all have a good, solid understanding of the Godhead. Because this is the first and probably the strongest way that people will contradict what you believe. And if we're going to run into problems, it's going to be over our belief that God is not three in one. We're going to run into problems, if, if at all. We're going to run into problems over that particular teaching. So you need to be able to defend this from the Scripture. Now, among us, we can talk about, uh, you know, other resources that we might have to reference. But, uh, you know, among people out there, if somebody comes along and says, well, uh, you know, why do you say this and why do you say that? Well, it's really nice when you can go back to the Bible and you can show them right there. That's exactly where it is. That's exactly what God says. And so uh, when, you, when you look at the uh, Scripture, you know, verse for verse, you can say, well, you know, God speaks in a plural way back here and he's... And you say, well, he speaks in a singular way up here. Verse for verse, there's lots of different verses that you can take and you can apply one way or the other. But I will tell you that uh, the way I like to look at this is to look at the principles that are found in Scripture and see how they flow with the whole Bible. So that's, that's the way I, I want to approach this, all right? So I'm not going to try to complicate it. I just want to try to make it as simple as we can this morning. Now, <clears throat> let's go back to the book of Genesis here. And this is a one of the first mentions of this particular name of God 
where uh, it's described that these are the generations of the heavens and the earth that were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. If you go back even, I have a Schofield Bible. If you go back to Genesis 2-4 and look at the footnotes there, this is a little portion of what Schofield wrote. Brother Branham uh, repeated this, and this is something that's uh, very well respected. Jehovah means, the name Jehovah, Lord God, it means to be self-existent. That God could actually dwell by himself and in himself, and he did, before the world was created. So this is how he refers to himself, as the God who existed long before uh, time began, long before the earth stood. He was totally self-existent. And when he met Moses at the burning bush, and Moses said, well, who shall I say sent me? He said, go down and tell them, I am that I am. In other words, I am the self-existing God, the one who dwelt alone and didn't need anything else to be or to exist. I exist within myself. The other part of this word Jehovah means someone who is becoming known. You combine these two ideas together in the bottom of the screen here, and we arrive at the meaning of this, this name of God means the self-existing one who reveals himself. The God who exists but desires to show himself. Because God is a spirit, right? And so he wanted to show himself. He wanted to reveal himself. He wanted people to worship him. He wanted people to know him and to love him. And in order to do that, he had to express himself in a form. He had to express himself in a way that people would see him. And they would understand. They would know. All right? So let's put it in these terms right here this morning. When we talk about me, the real me, my person, I obviously what you see this morning is this body, but I'm not just a body. I have a spirit also, right? So... This is where most people in the world, they would go this far and they would stop and say, well, I got a body and I got a spirit. I got the inner man. Uh, I got my mind or I got my thoughts that are here. And that's about as far as it goes. But as a believer now, we take it a little step further. We have a body, which is the outer man, the house. And that's where all of the real person lives. If I didn't have a body, I'd just be a spirit. So you wouldn't know me. If I didn't have a spirit, I'd be dead. Because when you die, the spirit leaves you, right? The third thing that I have, which is the most critical, is the soul. That's the real me. That's the eternal part of me. It takes all three of these to really declare who I am, right? Because remember now, if I didn't have a body, I'd be a spirit and you wouldn't see me. If I didn't have a spirit, I'd be dead. If I didn't have a soul, I'd be an animal, right? So I need all three to make sure you don't think I'm just a body that's dead or that I'm an animal or that I'm invisible. I need all three of these to declare to you who I am. Now, we find that when Jesus said this in John 1, he said, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, uh, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So that's why Jesus could say, When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because now he had all three of these to declare God in the flesh. Are we okay? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? 
Because Jesus had a body so we could see him. And he had a spirit so we knew he was very much alive. And then he also had all God was he poured into Christ. Right? So God was declaring, can we say, God was declaring himself through Christ. Right? He was declaring himself in Christ. And it takes all three to declare fully who I am. It took all three to declare fully who Jesus was. All right, so let's go a little bit farther now. In Colossians 1, as Paul writes, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, the word firstborn is very important here because if somebody is the firstborn in a process, then wouldn't it follow and make sense that the secondborn would also be born the same way? Right? I mean, you can't have a, uh, a cow bring forth a calf one way and then a cow bring forth a calf a different way the second time. They're all going to come the same way. Right? I mean, there's, there's no variation here. Whether, you know, if a uh, chicken lays an egg, uh, the, second, <laughs> the second egg is going to come the same way the first egg came. And when we say firstborn, that's exactly what that means, that, that the firstborn comes a certain way. And how many of you believe that Jesus was not born by sexual intercourse? Right? We, we agree with that. But he was born by the spoken word creation of Almighty God. Right? He spoke an egg and a, and a, and a seed in, in the womb of Mary, and that's how he was, he was born by the spoken word. Do you believe that? Now, when you're born again, you're not born by a natural connection between two people, but rather you're born by the incorruptible seed of the word of God, right? It's a quickening. It's a quickening of that seed of God that lays on the inside. It is a supernatural birth. And therefore, the way that Jesus came is also the way that you and I came, supernaturally speaking or spiritually speaking, into this world. Right? Hold on now. You're still hung up on the flesh. I, I came by Frank and Betty Coffee, this part that you see. But the real me on the inside came by the new birth. Right? The real me came by the new birth. So just do away with the flesh for a second and look behind this veil and realize there's a, there's a real person on the inside and that inside never came by two humans interacting. It came by God quickening that seed of eternal life that laid inside me. Is that okay? So therefore, if Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have preeminence, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace then through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in heaven or things, uh, or things on earth or things in heaven, and so forth, he was a reconciler. All things were reconciled by God and through the blood of Jesus' cross. Right? Okay. <clears throat> now, we know, according to Scripture, that even though God has revealed himself down through the ages, there still would be a portion, a part of this whole view of God that would be held mysteriously until the end. We knew that it all wouldn't be unveiled on the day of Pentecost, but it would come out over time through the ages. And then in the last day, it would require this seventh angel to sound so that the mystery of God would be completed. It would be finished. Is everybody in agreement? I mean, that's the Bible, right? That's what it says. 
because the word of the Lord comes to prophets and as he declares himself to those prophets, they are able to give the portion of the mystery that God gives to them. But there's a portion, there's a bit of it left or held until the very last day. And then in the last day, there is to be this seventh angel who rises up, a prophet, and he will sound and the mystery of God would be completed on the earth. So there's things that every age gets to know, including the last age, we get to see the conclusion of the mystery of God. Now, I want to give you a little uh, advance warning that we are a part of this last unfolding of God, this last part of the mystery of God. We are a part of that. But let's, let's look at it. Let's study a little bit more. In John 16, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. And at that day, and I believe that day he's speaking about is this day, in this day, you shall ask in my name. Because remember now, take the first part of 26 here and tie it back to 25. At that day, Jesus is speaking of a day when I will show you plainly of the Father. There will come a day when things will be made plain to you. In other words, Paul told us in the, in the New Testament that we look through a glass darkly. We don't see everything really clear. Over time... A little bit is added on top of each other. But through the ages, we saw through a glass darkly. But in the last day, you shall see clearly. And I'll speak to you no more in Proverbs. It's going to be really plain in the last day when this comes. And at that day, you shall ask in my name. And I, uh, and I say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. And the Father loveth himself loveth you because ye have loved me. And I believe that I came out from God. So this is Jesus' <coughs> declaration that, through the ages, there's going to be an unveiling of himself all through time. There may be an unveiling of himself, and then especially in the last day, there's going to be a revealing of his person uh, through the last, last age specifically. That's where we come in. So again now, we find this in Romans chapter 8, this, this uh, phrase here of being firstborn among many brethren. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Again, the word firstborn means that there is one that comes first, and then there are others that follow. We don't know how many, it's just that there are others that follow. So when he says firstborn among many brethren, it means that God is beginning something here through which he continues to multiply in the same way he did the first one. Again, the first, the first, Jesus himself was not born through sexual contact, right? We, 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 that's clear to us. So therefore, the ones that follow are going to be, uh, they're going to be involved in a birth that does not involve physical intimate contact at all. They're going to come another way. They're going to come through this new birth that we, uh, we understand. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. How many, who's he referring to here? He's referring to us, isn't he? Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's us, right? Glory to God. And what shall we say then to these things? And all the rest of Romans chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? Because as eternal and as powerful and as durable as Jesus was, everybody else who comes after him also have that same eternal quality and if God be for us, who can be against us? 
Hey, think about it. They took Jesus off the street. They beat him half to death, stripped him naked, nailed to a cross, watched him die, and they couldn't hold him down. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary, is it? They could do everything and anything to the human body of Jesus and watch it die on the cross and blood and water poured out of him until there was no life left in him at all. And they brought him down off the cross, put him in a tomb and sealed him there. But you know what? Death couldn't even hold him. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Because the same power and the same resurrection power and the same glorious eternal power that laid in Jesus lays in me also. So therefore, cancer can destroy this body or TB can destroy this body or whatever else can destroy this body. But I will tell you what, the real me won't stay down because I've got the same eternal quality that Jesus did. It doesn't matter whether it's the Romans, doesn't matter whether it's the Democrats, it doesn't matter, whether it's, it doesn't matter who it is. There's no power strong enough to keep me down because I am one of the many brethren that came after the firstborn. We're talking about a new race here. We're talking about new people. All right, now, Jesus makes this claim. He says uh, that he came from God. Now, Nicodemus describes this. He says, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher that's come from God. And no man can do these miracles uh, that thou doest except God be with him. The way he describes this, he says you're a teacher that's come from God, would be no different than me coming to Hickory the first time I did and saying, I felt led of God to come here and uh, take this church and be the pastor. Uh, that's, what, that's what Nicodemus is actually saying. We know that you're a man who's sent from God. In other words, the phrase he's using here is that, God would actually choose you and send you to do something. We know you're a teacher that, you know, is sent to us, and therefore you're teaching. This is what Nicodemus, that's the phrase that Nicodemus uses. When Jesus describes this, though, now remember, this is not Jesus. This is about Jesus. But when Jesus says it, he says it like this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He was actually saying that he came out from God. I am I'm God in front of you. I'm God in flesh. This is not somebody just being anointed to be sent. This is not just somebody who feels they have a calling on their life and go minister somewhere. I am that I am. Do you see the difference here now? This is not just God anointing me to do a job, but <laughs> I, am, I am He. When you've seen... Me, you've seen the Father. There's quite a difference in these two phrases here. Look at them. There's quite a difference here. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that's come from God. In other words, we know that you know, God has anointed you with this ministry, this powerful ministry, and you've come among us, and you're teaching us, and there's miracles, and there's different things that are happening here. We see that. But when Jesus comes, he doesn't say, I'm not just sent from God. I am the Word made flesh dwelling amongst you. Can you handle that? I mean, are, are, are you in agreement with that? Can you handle that? I, I am the Word made flesh and dwelling amongst you. And that's, what he was, that's what he was saying to them. I come from God, and therefore I, I, I go to God. In other words, uh, what I, before Abraham was, I am. I was around long before the world even began. And you know what? If the world passes away, I'll still exist because I'm the eternal, the eternal one. 
that's, that's the statement he was making. That's the statement that they wanted to stone him for. Not because he had done this miracle or that miracle, but because he, you know, being a man, made himself equal with God. That's what the Pharisees accused him of. They said, you're, actu- you're actually declaring that you're not from, you're not, you know, just somebody who's anointed by God, but you actually are God. And Jesus didn't argue with him at all. How do you feel about that? I mean, how do you personally feel about that? Because you didn't, you didn't come just from Hickory Bible Tabernacle, or you just didn't come from Christian Fellowship, or you, you didn't just come from, uh, you know, some ministry somewhere, but you know what? You are a part of the Word made flesh. In this day, can you go that? You're, you're not just here to fill a pew, and you're not just here to pay tithes. Uh, you're not just here to satisfy some religious requirement, or uh, be a missionary, or print books, or whatever. You're not here just to do that. You're here, actually, as as a part of the eternal God, standing here as a witness to a dying world that God is not dead; He's alive. Huh. And for the rest of you that want to put it all off on Brother Branham or put it off all on the fivefold ministry or something else, uh, let me tell you, you better put your seatbelt on because this pulls you into this whole thing as well. If, you're, if you have eternal life, let me tell you, you're a part of this whole thing unfolding. And the understanding of that has come to us in the last day. Now, let me, let me go again. John chapter 1. Here's a scripture that you're all familiar with. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything uh, that, made, that was made, and Him was life, and, and that was the light of men. And so, in other words, John is saying the same thing again, that everything originated from God, and God expressing Himself wanted to be made known. And that Word was made flesh. Now, so when we remember those three, uh, uh, the, the circle of the real me, Remember now, if Jesus, if Jesus had not come, God would still be known only as a spirit, right? Because the Bible says that, that God's a spirit. And remember now, Jesus had to die on the cross. And you can't nail a spirit to the cross and have it bleed and die. So therefore, he had to come into a temple or a tabernacle and that's why the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this, this that was in the beginning, the thing that was in the beginning, moved into another form of expression, which was Jesus Christ on the earth, and that was the Word made flesh. And John says, we beheld Him. We touched Him. We walked with Him. We slept with Him. We ate dinner with Him. We... Uh, we, we were affected by him. We heard his words. We saw uh, the great things that he had done. And we would never have been able to do that had God remained in the beginning just as the Logos or just as a spirit. So he moved into expression and now we could know him. So <clears throat> we find in, in the book of Revelation here, I'm, I'm not really not going to be long, but I wanted you to kind of get the, the foundation here of this important teaching here. At the angel of the, of the church of the Laodiceans write, and this is how every age got a letter. This is how God addressed the church uh, of Laodicea, the letter to the church of Laodicea. These things saith the amen. How many believe that's God? The faithful and true witness. We believe that's God. The beginning of the creation of God. 
This is how he describes himself. To the angel of the Laodiceans write, These things are said by me, the beginning of the creation of God, which represents the beginning of God creating himself in flesh. Literally, a new race beginning with God in Christ. Does that make sense? I wrote that. I thought it was pretty good. You may not think it's pretty good, but I thought it was pretty good. It would be worth writing down and looking at it. This verse here means that God, he represented the beginning of God creating himself in Jesus. And when Jesus stood on the earth, that was the beginning of the creation of God. Now remember, if Jesus was the firstborn, there are others who came after him who also would be a continuation of the creation of God. Right? That's what's exciting. Because he's a, I've given you a couple of scriptures, and there's many more, that describe Jesus as the firstborn. And if he came a certain way, and he literally was the beginning of the creation of God, then everybody else who's after the firstborn, born the same way, is going to be a continuation of the creation of God. And if God was in Christ, then we can expect that God would also be in us, influencing us, changing our lives, transforming us, and, and causing us to become what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, those that he predestinated, those he's, he's already glorified and justified. And, and all of those things that we would become, we become because it's God in us, not because all of a sudden we are sent to a certain church or we read a certain book or something else. It's not from the outside in, but God is actually living inside of us, transforming us to become what he's predestinated us to be. That is this new race. That is this group of people that are not church joiners. Like I've told you before, when I traveled over in Dubai and places like that, I met this one guy uh, who, uh, you remember I told you, he, he, when he heard me speak in a, a session there, and I was actually speaking about serpent seed, it's funny enough, but I was taking it from the book of Genesis and going through what happened in the garden and what caused the fall and he listened to me, and at the end of it, he was very, he was very interested in service. And then he, at the end of it, he, he came to me and he said, let me, let me lay this out to you real clear. He says, I can, get, I can rent a hall. This is in Dubai now, in the Middle East. And he said, I can rent a hall. We can have musicians. We can have book tables. We can have a 1,000 people there. We can have Christian groups that come in and sing. He says, we can have all kinds of people join this movement. He says, you've got a message that's unique. And he said, we can have all kinds of people following you and joining this movement. No problem. And he was a promoter. That was what his job was. And uh, he was very excited about this possibility of a new movement there. And he laid it all out in front of me. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. And he, he looked at me and he just kind of wagged his head because he couldn't figure out why. I, I mean, isn't that why I'm there? Isn't that why what I'm trying to do is, is get a following and get people to, uh, to follow me and, and listen to what I have to say? And I told him, I said, hey, there's nobody, nobody ever has been able to join my family. Every member of my family has been born into my family. My brothers and sisters all have the same DNA, unfortunately, as I do. And I said, they're all permanent members of my family, but nobody's able to join. And I said, in God's family, in this race right here, no one is able to join. We are born again. And what we are looking for is my sheep know my voice and a stranger they won't follow. So we're not looking for multitudes and crowds. Jesus never did. You remember when the 70 turned and walked away and Jesus said, are you going to go too? 
Because we're not looking for the numbers, we're looking for the elect. We're looking for this group of people right here that come after the firstborn. We're looking for that population of people that follow the firstborn. And whatever way he came, that's the way they're going to come. It's not by joining, and it's not by membership, and it's not by natural birth. It's not by associating with the church. It's not going down to Jeffersonville and getting a handful of dirt. It has nothing to do with that. It is a birth that's caused because of the creation of God. And that's, that's all we're looking for. He never figured that out. He never, never came back, never figured that out. Matthew chapter 11. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before my face. This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus speaking about John the Baptist. This is the one that is, it's written about back in the book of Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. And verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, listen, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know why? Because he's not just sprinkled with water. He's not just gone through a, a process. He's not just been called by God, but he's actually a part of God. Does that make sense? This scripture should make sense to us now, Matthew chapter 11, because it's not that John was not a good person, not at all. John did a great work. John did a really unique work, anointed with the spirit of Elijah. But you've got to understand that Jesus began, Jesus began this creation, starting with Jesus, and that is none less than God in him. The fullness of God in him. And we are a continuation of that creation. You're getting quiet. Hold on. Take your Bible for a minute. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 60. And if you don't mind, take a look here with me. Isaiah chapter 60. The claims I'm making are actually pretty lofty. But I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 60 here. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Pause. 60, 61, and 62 are three chapters that are prophetic chapters. There's more here that follow, but these three specifically talk about the end of the world as we're in it. They talk about the, the time that we're living in. As a matter of fact, if you put your finger there and go to 61, that's where Jesus took the scroll from the rabbi and said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he read one and a half verses. Remember that? Then he handed the book back to the, uh, to the rabbi because that portion was for him and the next portion takes place when? At the second coming of Christ. And so this is all about this time period that we're living in. And I want you to watch what Isaiah writes about this time. He says, For behold, verse 2, and I'm in chapter 60 and verse 2, For behold, a darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. We all believe that's true, don't we? Don't need to define that one. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. His glory shall be seen doesn't stop there, but his glory is actually seen 
upon someone else. So if somebody wants to see the glory of God, where do they look? They have to look upon those whom the glory of God shall be upon. Because the glory of God is upon someone else. So God's not standing there in flesh. You know why? Because he's already come in flesh, died to death, gone back to God. Everybody okay? So now, in the last of the seasons of the Gentiles, when light comes, guess what? The light shines on those in whom Christ dwells. The light shall be seen, the glory shall be seen upon thee. I mean, I'm only reading what it says. Three, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. In other words, if there's any salvation, it'll be the coming to the light that you have living in you in the last day. Huh. Lift up thine eyes around about and see all they gather themselves together. They come where? Where do they come? To thee. Are we reading that right? Lift up thine eyes round about and see. Watch. In other words, Isaiah's prophesying. Watch this. Watch what happens. Lift up your eyes. Look around. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from afar. Thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. For thou shalt see and flow together. And thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Because of the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. And the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. You remember Revelation 10. One says that when Jesus stands on the earth in the last day, where's his feet? One on the land, one on the, one on the sea. Sea is the multitudes of people, isn't it? So Isaiah is prophesying that in the last day, the abundance of the sea, in other words, the Gentile people that are coming, and hey, listen, most Jews wouldn't believe that Isaiah was actually prophesying of all these Gentiles coming in here, but in the last day, this is going to be a Gentile bride that stands on the face of the earth, and the glory of God shall be upon her. Why? Because the light has risen upon her. She's not walking in darkness anymore. She's not walking in obscurity anymore. But she's actually living on the earth, an expression of Almighty God. Now, let me say this. It's not that, it's not that the Gentile bride's going to have the, uh, the stardom of uh, athletes or a rock star or some great movie star or something like that. The, the bride is not going to be known that way in the last day. But I will tell you something. There is a celebration. There is a joy that exists because God has accomplished in the predestinated exactly what his plan was. And this bride comes to a place of maturity, not defeated by Satan, standing there in the fullness of his glory, getting ready to leave here even without death. Huh. Huh. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what I just said. That sounds funny for me to say that, but I am excited about what I just said. Because the, the, the victory lap, if you like, the, the, the great joy that exists in the last day is that God has indeed accomplished in his bride, in the Gentile bride, 
whom Satan has fought and tried to destroy down through the ages, but God has actually held her and preserved her and matured her and brought her into a place of full light and full disclosure so that she could become what God intended her to become. And nothing can stop her, not even death. We are the people who stand on the face of the earth with the seals open and the word entirely open and Christ, his glory manifested on that bride. Now you may think, well, my goodness, I couldn't even get my children to clean up the room. And, uh, you know, I got a demotion in work and I, uh, we, we, our van broke down and we had to get this done and disrepaired. And, uh, you know, this is happening and that's happening. And old Noah's got to go for surgery over here. And we kind of get uh, naturally bogged down looking at the circumstances around us. Let me tell you something, saints of God. You're no different than everybody else in the world. The difference is, is what's going on behind this veil, behind this flesh, because that's where God is elevating and lifting up and giving rapturing faith to a bride who will not have to die. They will actually walk off the face of the earth without having to go through the grave. And it'll be because Satan couldn't defeat her. It'll be because there's no circumstance could take her down. It's because no amount of depression could hold her back. It's because there are no religious forces that are able to stifle her or stumble her at all. There's no false prophet that's able to deceive her. She will be there because God, it's not us, it's Christ in us. It's not us, it's Christ living in us. It's not us, but it's Christ's own life expressing itself through us. Look, think about this for a minute. Think about Old Testament examples here. The Bible's full of this, but think about this Old Testament example. When Joseph came to the place that God intended in the first place, and Joseph was intended to be the second in command in Egypt, right? Not when he was in Potiphar's house, not when he was in his father's house, not when he was in the dungeon, but when he came to the place that God intended, he actually saved the whole world. And the whole world, maybe many of them would never have known the name of Joseph or never have met him or never have seen him. Uh, you know, never, never known anything really about the person of Joseph. But the joy comes that they're saying, wow, somewhere someone knew what they were doing and saved up all this grain. <laughs> who knew? Well, one man knew. Who, who could have figured it out? Well, one man figured it out. You know why? Because it wasn't Joseph sitting there figuring this out. It was God revealing things to Joseph, and Joseph's in the light. And as a result, the whole world is affected by the light that Joseph is walking in in that day. Do you understand? This is exactly what Isaiah is prophesying, that there will be a bride in the last day who will be standing in the light. All right, think of another example. You remember Esther. Esther's standing there in the kingdom. She doesn't know why she's there. My uncle brought me here, and now the king has chosen me, and now I'm a queen, and, uh, you know, here I am. And then all of a sudden, without anything she would have been involved in, there's a law passed to destroy all the Jewish people in the earth. And she's there saying, whoa, I'm a Jew. No one knows, but I'm a Jew. And then her uncle comes to her and says, well, for such a time as this, maybe God raised you up and placed you right here. Because now you're in a position to do something for the whole world. And let me tell you, there is joy. There is still today joy in the Jewish camp that they celebrate the feast of Purim where Esther you know, has saved the entire Jewish population from annihilation. And a lot of people would never would have met Esther. They would not have known Esther. They would not have been around Esther because she was, a, uh, you know, the, the, the queen of the, of the king. And, you know, nobody would have bumped into Esther and heard her story. 
And who knew what the answer was? Who knew how to do that? It was not Esther's intellectual smarts, but it was God operating through her in the way she did it to win the heart of the king and the favor of the king. So the king says, whatever you want will be done. This man's a liar. He's passed the law. And the king goes right into action, and all the Jews are saved. You know what? The whole Jewish world rejoices because she's got a light that no one else has And she does it right. She's doing it right. She's got life right. She recognizes for such a time as this. I have a a man I know up in our area, lives up in town up there. And uh, he doesn't go to church. He doesn't go to any church. But out of desperation to try to save his marriage, his relationship to his girl, they have a daughter. He came to me just a little while ago. He came to me and he said, uh, this girl has done something very uh, uh, awful to me and I need to learn how to forgive. I need to learn how to... He says, can you explain to me what forgiveness is? He's not a Christian, not a Bible reader. I don't think he owns a Bible. Never been around a church at all. He says, can you explain to me what forgiveness is? I... I sat down, began to go through the scripture, Matthew chapter 18. You know, you forgive 70 times 70 and all of those different, I gave him some examples about forgiveness. And I said, you know, there's, there's, there's more to it here than just she does something and he's got to forgive her and we go on. I said, there's really more going on here, isn't there? And he said, yeah, there's, there's things in my life, things in her life and so on. And I said, well, if, if you like, I'd be glad to sit down and talk to you both. So he, he gave her his partner, he gave her his, my number, and I, I talked on the phone to her. And she said, she made the comment, she said, that's been the most life-changing phone call I've ever had in my life. She said, it was so easy to talk about things that are going on in my life and so easy to be able to uh, s- declare things honestly and so forth. Then I met with both of them, talking to them together. And, and the whole idea, the whole goal was to try to restore that relationship we try to restore the process and try to get them back together on the right feet because love is better than war right love we, we want to be married by the minister the justice of the peace not the justice not the minister of war and so we spend some time talking together and reconciling and coming towards a common agreement there you know what that is and i i, I need you to understand this folks most of you know me pretty good I need you to understand, that's not anything in the world that I have to boast about. That's Christ expressing himself through me. Because God would rather have them together than apart. Because you know what? God hates divorce. And God would rather have them apart, uh, together and to be able to work in things out and forgiving one another and reconciling and building a family. God would rather have that. Even if it's hard and even if it's slow, God would rather have that then they have the struggles and the fight and the conflict and the separation and broken families and all kinds of, uh, you know, messed up situations in the world. But you know what? In a sense, this is not like, oh, Brother Barry, the rock star. Let me tell you, the media is not camping out on my lawn to get a picture of me when I come out this morning at 6 o'clock. They're not looking for me. I'm glad they weren't there looking for me. But this is, this is not the kind of popularity as the world thinks about. This is not the kind of success that the world thinks about, the rich and the famous. Uh, believe me, I'm not trying to build a rocket to go into space. I'm content here. When my time to go in space in another dimension comes, he'll have a ship ready for me and I won't have to build it at all. 
I'm not, this is not that kind of success. This is not that kind of glory. This is not that kind of popularity. This is rather the accomplishment of God to fulfill what he desired to see in the Gentile bride. So all of those voices turn back to God in praise and adoration to him. That's what this is about, God getting the glory. This is about not Brother Barry, not Brother Branham, not Brother so-and-so. This is about God receiving the glory and the honor and the praise for what he's doing through us. Hey, folks, look around. Uh, Well, do this. Look in the mirror and look what you were. And now look at what God's able to do through the bride of Christ. And you go and you witness to somebody and you go and you talk to somebody and you pass a book or you, uh, you know, you live a certain life at your school or whatever else. Let me tell you, that's not you. That's Christ in you. That's a light that God wants to shine right where you are. And you might think, well, hey, I'm just a farmer or like Brother Troy down there. He's just a tomato grower. I will tell you, he's the best tomato grower in this church. I'd say he's the best tomato grower in North Carolina. I'd go that far and say... Sister Becky brought back a bag of tomatoes from Brother Troy. I, I don't eat a lot of tomatoes. I, I just I, I don't know why, but I don't eat them. I never grew up eating them. And then I asked her, I said, where in the world did you get these? These are like apples. They're so tasty and so good. She said, they're from Brother Troy, his garden. I said, well, God bless Brother Troy. And Sister Becky said, why don't you call him and tell him? So I texted down to Sister Connie, and, and uh, I said, I said, you just pat Brother Troy on the back for these tomatoes here. And then we ran out. I asked her, I said, do we have any more of those tomatoes? She said, it's the last one. And I said, well, why don't we just keep it here for us? Because there's just two of us now, so we can just, you know. I don't have to divide things six ways, just two ways now. I said, why don't we keep this last one here? Don't give it away to anybody. Then I thought for a minute, after this is over, you know what? We'll have no more. So I sent down another text to get some. Have we brought some? Bless your heart. You can come. (laughs) You guys get out of the front row. Let these people come up here to the front row. You talk about good now. You talk about, they're they're special. They're really good. There's, there's, listen, there, there are things that God will do through the bride of Christ that he can't do through anybody else. You know why? Because other people use their own abilities, and they're relying on other sources of strength and power. But the bride, the bride realizes that all that I am, all that I am belongs to him. All that I am, he deserves the glory and the honor. And the whole thing is all about, when, when Esther did what she did for the Jews, all of the Jews are th- sitting there in synagogue saying, thank you, Lord, for another day of life. Thank you, Lord, that we weren't destroyed by the king. It's not, thank you, Esther, thank you, Esther. She's not the hero in this. God is the hero in this because he's the one that causes it all. And he's the one that's brought us through the stages of maturity and the dark ages and out in the Reformation and all of that and all of our partial understanding into a full realization that, hey, listen, if we get out of here, it'll be God. If we cross out of here without death, it'll be God. If we make it into the wedding supper, it'll be God alone that does it. Nobody else. It'll be him. But what God wants to do through you before we leave here, I say, saints, we have enough knowledge and enough Uh, understanding of the book of God 
and, and the program of God and the redemption of God, and he should be able to shine his light upon us and illuminate our path. We, we'd be sensitive enough to walk on that path. Even if it doesn't make sense, I'm willing to walk on that path. I'm willing to take the Lord's way even if it's despised. Even if people don't understand, I'm willing to take that because I know that he's the one who's in control. God has, God has shown us things by the light. God has taught us things by the light. Then thou, verse 5, then thou shalt see and flow together. The people of God who are this race, they will come together. They will flow together and their hearts will fear. Their hearts will love. Their hearts will uh, expect. Their hearts will be enlarged with expectation because of the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you and the forces of the Gentiles. I'll tell you what, I, I, I thank God that uh, you know, we're able to do what we're able to do and we're able to, uh, you know, spread the message all over the world and be able to, uh, you know, sponsor missionaries in different countries and all the other uh, things that are being done in this world today. It's not because I've got personal wealth or, or you know, we've got some great benefactor in the country that does that. Let me tell you, it's the bride of Christ flowing together. It's the bride of Christ working together to be able to get things done because we have one thing in common, and that is this. In the last day, God sent a message, come out of her, my people and gave us a word that within it builds rapturing faith and is preparing our hearts to leave here. It's the people of God working together in the way they should and that becomes because God has matured his bride to be able to work together. Let's stand to our feet. When we talk about the Godhead hidden, it's hidden in plain sight. And many times we as individuals, we look off for God to be doing something out there. We look off for God to be fulfilling or accomplishing something out there. What you need to do is look in the mirror and say, thank you, Lord, for accomplishing in me what you intended to accomplish. I might be full of faults. I can't get my hair to do what I, what I want it to do. I got pimples on my face. I got, you know, I stutter or whatever else. I got, I don't have any money or I don't have, you know, this. Let me tell you, what you have, what you have, you should just give to God and say, Lord, just shine light on that. Just take that and use that for your glory in the last day because that's the promise that he's given to us. Lift up your eyes and look around. He says, they shall come to thee. There are people who want to tap into your peace. There are people who want to tap into your wisdom. There are people who want to tap into your, uh, your lack of panic. That you don't panic because the world's in a panic. You're gonna, you're, let me tell you, the Prince of Peace anoints us in a way that's different from the rest of the world. We don't need medication to do it. We need the Prince of Peace. We don't need to have a million dollars in the bank. We need the Prince of Peace. Because for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, no matter what, if Christ is in you, You've got it all. And this whole world can pass away. Even my body can pass away. But you know what? The real me is going to live right on through it. Where the Godhead is today would shock a lot of people if they really knew. But I feel like I'm preaching to her this morning. (laughs) All right, let's sing. Let's stop right there and let's sing. And now, now I think... It's a wonderful time for us to rejoice and give thanks to God. Imagine the day that those Jews must have found out that they didn't, they didn't have to fight for their life. They didn't have to, uh, you know, all face an imminent death because the law had been passed in the kingdom. Imagine how happy those Jews must have been. 
Imagine how after seven, after six and a half years, and those Egyptians sitting at their table and eating fresh bread come out of the oven there. You know, and thank you, Lord. Thank you that somebody knew to store up the grain. And now here we are, and uh, the whole world is laying in starvation, and now we have bread on our table here. How thankful they must have been. Because somebody knew. Somebody was in the light. Somebody was walking. I tell you what, they must have been very thankful. And you know what? When when you feel thankful, the one you should give praise to is not Joseph and not Esther and not Brother Barry and not Brother Branham. You should give your thanks to God. You should give your praise and your honor to God. Right? Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Hallelujah, to our God. Oh, every praise, every praise is to our God. Oh, God, 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 Thank you, Jesus. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my Oh, Lord, I'll 
sing it again now. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. For he has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. And I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is a day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. He has made me glad, and I will rejoice, for And we are people of his kingdom, and we are family, we are one, we are heirs of the Father, and we are joint heirs with the Son. shall reign with him forever. Where in the world do you think you're learning how to reign? We're learning right here. 
right? When Joseph did what he did and Esther did what she did and Paul did what he did in taking the gospel, establishing the churches back in that day, let me tell you, they were reigning. They were reigning under the influence of God. They were reigning with the mind of God. Well, I got news for you. For such an hour as this, God may have saved you for the last day so that you could learn to reign in this life and then step over into that life so that you can also sit with him in his throne in glory. Hallelujah. And death doesn't change you. It only changes your dwelling place, right? So God is actually teaching us to reign. God is a, and, and, and let me tell you, this, this, is all about, this is all about the bride of Christ. It's not about a church building and who's got the biggest church and the nicest church. It's all about God's people. Because if you want to find out where the glory is, it's not necessarily in a building. It's on the people that believe the word in the last day. It's on the people who walk in the light in the last day. So no matter where you go, and we we very often get caught up in church buildings and church identity and all of that. Let me tell you, our identity first is in Christ. And so where you are, that's where the glory of God is. Where you are, that's where the light of the hour is. Where you are, that's where the presence of God is. If you can handle that, think on that and come back next week and I'll tell you what, we'll add a little bit more on top of that. I mean, that's almost too good to believe. It's almost too true, too fan, fantastic to believe that, you know, this is, this is who I am. Trouble is you're looking in the mirror too much. You're looking at your old ugly self so much. And you look at all your failures and your weaknesses and the circumstances and the fears that you have in this natural life. And I say this, let your inner man free and let him rise above all of that. And let's sing because if we don't, I'll preach again. We are heirs of the Father. Oh, we are joined the sun. Yes, we are people of his kingdom, and we are family. We are one. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall wear a crown. Oh, we shall wear a crown. Oh, when the battle's of my life I got my mind 
see my Jesus someday. I got my mind made up, and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. So goodbye, world. I say so long to you. Rest of my life, go God's way. Hallelujah, glory to God. You think we can do it? All right, let's sing a chorus. I don't know whether we've sung it here before. Uh, we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. We're going home. You know that one? Ah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be what we call a special. We sing in a youth retreat. We are pilgrims in this world. We're going home to heaven singing hallelujah. Ben, you know this, right? There it is. We are, <clears throat> we are pilgrims in this world. We're going home to heaven singing hallelujah. We are pilgrims in this world, we're going home to heaven, singing hallelujah, ha, hallelujah, that's it, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing it again. Good. We're going. Come up here. Come on. Sister, come on up here. Were you singing that? Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Give her a microphone there, Mitchell. I told you it was going to be fun. Hallelujah. 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 First verse. Pilgrims in this world, we're going home to heaven, singing hallelujah. We are pilgrims in this world, we're going home to heaven, singing hallelujah. 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 Thank you, sister. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Brother Ben, for holding it together there. Appreciate that. Hey, we're not meant to stay here. So the anointing comes just as, just not to make you feel good. The anointing comes to lift you above this world because that's where we're meant to go. We're meant to go above this world into another one. And I believe that God is doing everything he can in helping us to make it to that place. And I'm thankful for that. <clears throat> He is good. He is good. His love endures forever. 
Let's sing it this morning here. We're going to close and um, we're going to let you go this morning. Remember, we have a church age book for everybody. If you want one, it's marked out here. We've got them, deacons have got them set up out there for you. If you haven't taken it, uh, you can, uh, haven't read it in a while, you can have a new book and go through it. Guests and visitors, there's plenty there for you. And this little section, it begins here on page 18 and just work your way through. We're talking about the Godhead here. Brother Ram kind of condenses it and lays it out there. God's put it right in our lap. God's let us have it right in our... Whether you, whether you got it in a book form, whether you got it in one of these right here, it doesn't... Let me tell you, God's... It, it's, it's so wonderful that he left this message for the last day. So now we're able to get it in so many forms to so many places in the world. It's just wonderful. Think about where the Godhead is hidden today. Where, what veil is the Godhead behind today? Think about that. That's, a, that's an extraordinary thing. His love endures forever.
presence today, Lord. We pray for Noah. Ask, oh God, that you would just undertake for him. And Lord, I pray that you would allow him, Lord, to be completely healed of this affliction with his shoulder, Lord. We know that's not the way you made that shoulder. It was made to operate perfectly. But Lord, the enemy comes and weakens us. But Lord, you are greater. We thank you for doctors and nurses and surgeries. We thank you, Lord, for all the medical care we are given. But Lord, the best thing we can do today is to lift Noah into the hands of the great physician. That, Lord, you might see him through. And that, Lord, even though the doctors can do certain things, they cannot bring healing. You're the healer. And so we're going to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. I commit him into your hands now. Pray that you would give him no discomfort. That, Lord, you would just be with him right from the very beginning all the way through and to the complete recovery. We thank you for it in advance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, we thank you, Lord, for this time we've had together, and now we pray you would minister, Lord, to each and every heart. We think about, Lord, the great light that we've stepped into in this last day, and now, Lord, may we take that light and, Lord, spread it and shed it and shine it, Lord, to this dying Gentile world. They have no other place of peace. They have no other hope of eternal life except for the light that you have placed within us and the blood of Calvary's cross. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be salt and light. And I ask, O oh God, that you would minister especially to those who are sick. We think of Brother Jim Bab today in the hospital, Lord, and we lift him up before you. Pray that you would minister to him and Sister Daly and all those that are sick, Lord, and reaching out to you. And we also pray for the families that mourn because, Lord, you said they would be comforted. Bless the bride of Christ around the world, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name and for your glory, amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to pray for Sister Soriano here, and Sister Becky's going to stand in for Sister Soriano. So I want you, if you don't mind, let's join together and lift them up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as Sister Becky has come on behalf of Sister Soriano, Lord, we do know that time or distance doesn't matter to you. And Father, you're able to wrap your arms around Sister Soriano right where she is and to give her that healing touch, Lord, that she needs today. We pray that you give her that encouragement to know that people are praying and that, Lord, we lift her up before you. And in doing that, Lord, we pray that your presence would draw near to Brother Roel also, Lord. Father, he's a great servant and a great important part of the work that goes on in the Philippines, Lord. And he's touched many lives in his ministry. And Lord, I believe you have more for him. And so we commit him as well into your hands. And ask that the hand of protection of the angels would wrap around him, Lord, that he might be saved from this curse that circles the earth. And Lord God, we pray that you would just keep him, Lord, from the evil and I ask, O oh God, that you would just give strength to his body for service, Lord, to the king. We commit him to you. We commit Sister Soriano to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? He loves us. He cares about us and chose us to live in this special last day. And we're thankful for that.
So may God bless you as you go. We'll see you on uh, Wednesday night. Don't forget to take your book there. Uh, leave the tomatoes there for me. And uh, may God bless you as you go. I'd like to sing that little chorus. Uh, Jesus, uh, <clears throat> that uh, Jesus name above all names. Let's sing that uh, this, this morning here as we go. And may God bless you. you want to stay in worship just a little bit. May God bless you. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed